0: Welcome to this special bonus episode of the Passive House podcast. I'm Zach Semke, director of Passive House Accelerator, and we're happy to be sharing a series of bonus episodes recorded in Hamilton, Ontario, at the Passive House Canada Conference 2023. These interviews were conducted by Mary James, our director of publications, and Michael Ingwe, our founder. A big thank you to Euroline Windows for underwriting this special series. Please Enjoy. Welcome, Evelyn Bouchard, to the Passive House Accelerator podcast. Thank you for stopping by. And um, you are with Tandem Architecture Ecology. You're also a board member of Passive House Canada.
1: Yeah, I'm board chair of Passive House Canada, um, and I also teach the technical courses for Passive House Canada, and um, the past three years I've been teaching at the McGill School of Architecture, too, so trying to really embed Passive House learning into basic architectural education. Wow, that's very exciting. <laughs> yeah, it's been really exciting getting them to draw wall sections and talking about compactness and, and all that good stuff. So, um, is it,
0: are you like, Uh, do you teach a full-on course, introductory course, for the architecture program?
1: I teach the design studio. So Mm -hmm. architectural education is a bit particular. Um, Studio takes up two full days a week, at least at at McGill. And so we give them a design problem and get them to work on it. So most recently I was working with students who are about to graduate. So at that point they can essentially develop a whole – we're doing affordable housing, so they're given a real site and they have a whole semester to develop a scheme uh, on that, and our focus was sustainability, affordability, and building passive house into that.
0: That's so exciting! I just, um, it's something that's really bothered me—the extent to which energy and performance are not built into architectural curricula very often.
1: Yeah, and I feel like that's really changing. It's my alma mater, so I studied there, and it's really interesting to see how the curriculum has shifted. Um, over the years I think in terms of kind of formal requirements it's still you know sustainability is in there in a very undefined general way but it's really uh, individuals who are coming in to teach who are bringing their own vision for how to teach sustainability Um, it's been a lot of fun students love it like they really engage with it and it seems relevant to them you know they hear about this stuff on the news all the time and uh, want to feel empowered to do something about it
0: that's great. And um, you are, of course, based in Montreal,
1: I understand. Almost. <laughs> <laughs> I am actually based about an hour south of Montreal, right at where the Quebec border meets New York State and Vermont. So uh-huh. I'm rural, but it's uh, just under an hour for me to get to the university. So a manageable commute in an electric vehicle.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, um, So basically, I'm interested in the question of how are you trying to get Passive House more attention in Quebec? Because my understanding is you have a Passive House or you're working on building a Passive House for yourself, but still there aren't a lot of certified Passive Houses in Quebec, are there?
1: Yeah, so I live in the second certified passive house in Quebec. Um there's my someone beat me to the punch. Uh, I think it was in 2015 or 16. There is an Enerfit uh, project in Montreal. Kudos to them for starting with a retrofit. It's a, a bold move. Um and yeah, I, I got my house certificate last week, so it's pretty fresh oh, still. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. The house itself was, you know, we've been living in it for a while. It took me a while to wrap up my paperwork since it was my own house. It was perpetually on the back burner. Um, But yeah, Quebec has been a bit of a trickier market for a couple of reasons. The first is that we have extremely cheap electricity and it's generated 99.9% by hydro. Um, So it's renewable once that infrastructure is there. It's not without environmental consequences, but it's kind of a sunk cost. And so... Yeah, efficiency in buildings has been less of a priority because of those factors. And the economic context as well is not... Even comparing it to Ontario right next door is is quite different. And, of course, the other challenge is more of a cultural and language barrier. Um, Quebec is predominantly French. So even things like getting our core course curriculum translated into French for a relatively small market took a while. So... Um, I now offer our full pathways to certification course in French. I've been doing it for three years, but it took us a few years to kind of build up the funds to translate all of those hundreds of slides and get that material ready.
0: And, um, has, have, has the student body for those courses been growing?
1: Slow, but steady. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'd say I train, uh, we run one full course series a year at the moment in French Um, compared to every month in English. And that cohort has typically been 15 to 25 people, roughly. So, you know, that's, for comparison, our English course series are 25 to 30 people a month. So it's definitely smaller. Um, So, yeah, I've been (laughs) writing action items for myself as I listen into these presentations. One of the things that I'd love for us to do is to mobilize the Architects Association, Um, In Ontario, the OAA, the Ontario Architects Association, um, declared the climate emergency a public health issue and a public health and safety issue, which... um, It certainly is. Which it certainly (laughs) is, absolutely. But it it gave them, you know, it made a part of their, their scope, essentially, to tackle that. So now everything they do is through the lens of climate stability. Their conference materials, how they award, you know, awards to projects... Um, so that was a really strategic move for them. Um, so I'm going to try to figure out how we can get to Quebec to do the same. But, uh, yeah, we're we're not there yet.
0: <laughs> and um, as the board chair, um, you know, I've been talking about Quebec with you, but do you have other goals that you're really interested in um, accomplishing over the next year,
1: say? Being board chair is Really, an interesting role to be in. I mean, I've been in the this is my sixth year serving on the board, um, and it's just interesting to kind of see how things are progressing in different parts of the country. So, I was practicing in BC before I moved back to my native Quebec. So, I kind of got the passive house bug there um, right at the beginning, and so it was really exciting to watch that adoption from being really marginal to being basically completely mainstream at this point. And so, I've been wanting to see that proliferate everywhere else and Ontario seems to be on a good path and we're starting to see Atlantic Canada um, stepping up as well. So I think it's just about trying to figure out where the obstacles lie and they're a little different for different areas, um, but trying to kind of, you know, figure out how we can reduce those barriers to adoption and maybe adapt our messaging to specific political contexts or regional concerns to have a broader uh, reach. I think once, what I love is that once someone's done one of these projects, they can't go back to conventional construction. It's just, you can't unsee the thermal bridges. You know, you're, you're cursed forever. You've got to keep going in this direction, um, which is why. Oh, I plan- bless forever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it depends Depends where you're, where you're walking and looking at, you know, buildings under construction. <laughs> it makes us, it a struggle to see all those continuous concrete balconies. Right. <laughs> um, but I think that's that's why I do education because it just feels like if I'm just doing it through my practice, I mean, I love practice, I love being on construction sites, I love doing the problem solving, but it's one building at a time. Whereas if I can shift how 30 people at a time are thinking about their projects from design all the way through to construction, um, that just is an order of magnitude difference in terms of change and impact um, and just getting the conversation going.
0: Absolutely. I mean, it's, probably not your students at this conference, but I have noticed a younger um, population coming to this conference than I had noticed in previous years, which is very exciting.
1: Yeah. I feel like my students are not like, it would probably be over their heads at this point. They just <laughs> finished their undergraduate degrees and they need to go do internships and, you know, get get their boots on the ground in construction sites a bit. Um, but I'm hopeful that I'll see them in a year or two once they've got that kind of beginnings of a career going. Um, I mean, this stuff is really exciting and I love being at these conferences because it feels like, you know, we're all kind of working on our own individual projects or initiatives and it's so um, exciting to see what's happening collectively across Canada and really lovely to be seeing our colleagues to the south and hearing more about what they're doing too. So I think fostering collaboration between Canada and the US in terms of sharing best practices, building data, all that stuff.
0: Case studies. Case
1: studies. Yeah. Yeah.
0: This uh, The BPAC database, for instance, sounds like it mm-hmm. could be such a useful tool.
1: As a way of recognizing the similarities in how we do construction, obviously there are differences as well, but um, it's just helping with knowledge sharing and access to resources. And, and there's an urgency to all of this, as as you know, as we all know. So, the more quickly we can identify successful strategies or appropriate standards as we're talking about other topics beyond passive house, like I think we've got a good handle on passive house and we just need to do more of it and scale up. But then we can also start looking at embodied carbon more seriously and looking at, you know, post occupancy. Uh, data and commissioning and all these other really important issues. And the more we share that information among us, the less kind of duplication of efforts there's going to be, so the more quickly we can do what needs to be done.